Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 457. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey, how's it going? It's going, uh, it's going okay. Nice. It's going okay. I'm, I'm, next week's show, I'll finally be in my new house. So it's wow. been a seven-month journey of me podcasting from temporary setups all over the place. But the house will be ready. Finally. I couldn't be more excited. Uh, this week on the show, we'll be kicking off our Fantastic Fest coverage with... We're going to kick it off with a bang this week. And we're going to do a review of Shin Ultraman. We'll also be going over some of watching on the watch list and this week's new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That'd be great. Uh, new Save by the 90s going to drop this week. If you recall, this is going to be part two of our uh, Erie, Indiana retrospective. So keep a, keep an eye out for that. We'll be dropping that on Thursday. We also have a theme for our, our, our Halloween episode. You know what? I think I'm just going to say what it is right now because I'm oh, really no. excited about it. That's Stephen King. Stephen oh. King. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Yep. We're gonna yeah, be buddy. doing. I... We're gonna be doing four Stephen King movies, and it's there's. I think two of the four I've never seen before. So I, can I can I download it now? Not yet. Got to got to watch the movies and record it first. But yeah, I'm I'm pretty pretty excited. So yeah, I'll, I'll uh, keep everybody posted on on that but that that probably won't be coming until probably towards the end of the month of october i do like how that 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 exists is uh you could probably make like eight episodes with that theme oh yeah man like so just just like like 40 there there there's a lot there's a lot of stephen king output in the 90s so yeah there there were there were definitely a lot that we could choose from anyway uh let's go ahead talk about shin ultraman uh this is playing at fantastic fest this played at a couple other festivals as well leading up to i don't know when it, it did come out in japan but it's i don't know if it has a release date here in the states just yet if you recall this was on our both of our most anticipated mm-hmm. lists for yes. i don't know three years maybe i've been reading about anticipating waiting for this thing forever it seems and we finally get to see it it's screening fantastic fest uh it's directed by shinji higuchi now he was the co-director of shin godzilla which we talked about quite a long time ago on the show both of us absolutely adore shin godzilla correct this is Written by Hideaki Anno, who was the director, the other director on Shin Godzilla. I have, a, I have a synopsis here. As the threat of giant unidentified life forms known as S-class species worsens in Japan, a silver giant appears from beyond Earth's atmosphere. Now, I will preface this by saying I never really knew a whole lot about Ultraman. I had a, like... Other than like seeing clips in the past and like having a very 
basic knowledge of the character. That's pretty much all I had going into this movie. Not a fan of Ultraman, never was. Anytime I would see anything that was like kind of revolving around Ultraman, I thought it felt too, looked too much like Power Rangers to me. Mm. And I was never into Power Rangers. So yeah, I just, Ultraman was never uh, appealing to me. However, when this was first announced and some some like teasers and stuff first came out, I got very excited because of how much I loved Shin Godzilla. And uh, gotta say, was not disappointed with this one. This movie's great. And it is pretty much not on the same level as Shin Godzilla. I still like that more. But what is here is great. I think that it's it's hard to live up to Shin Godzilla, but yeah, holy cow. I think, you know, me and you were talking about this before we started recording. Is that I think it's that familiarity bias. Like if perhaps if we were if we were fans of Ultraman or at least had more knowledge of Ultraman like we do with Godzilla, we might be like yeah. putting that up there. But you know still, I mean for me I'm I'm much the same as you as I, my knowledge, I know what he looks like. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's all I know. And I have no feelings towards Ultraman whatsoever. Uh, after watching this movie, I love Ultraman. Yeah. I'm a, big, I'm a big fan of him. I just, for some reason, the face, like the, the design of this, of his outfit or whatever it is, just the, the mouth shape and the eyes and just him staring blankly at things and just the way that he moves. He's just, he's cracking me up. I'm a big <laughs> fan of Ultraman. I was just cheering for this guy. He's so ridiculous. And I also like the point that this is normally when we cover festivals, you know, we try and do smaller movies or maybe movies that aren't as big or aren't going to get as much, um, coverage you know what i mean but i think mm. this points to me and you just this is where us as movie lovers is just taken over and we just want to watch this so goddamn bad yeah yeah <laughs> we just made an excuse they <laughs> were like we're watching ultraman we're doing it yeah i mean it's, as soon as i saw it on the list i was like okay well that's number one that's the big one so yeah I, there's man the my anticipation level and my excitement level of, of this was so high. I thought that I was going to set myself up for disaster. I was like, Oh man, I'm just, I was kind of thinking that it was going to end up being like what to do with the dead Kaiju, because that was another one that I was really excited about. And I was like hugely disappointed with that one. Mm -hmm. But this one is like that done. Right. It is a such a perfect blend of new and old and it they just it's a it's a difficult balancing act to pay close homage to those original ones because when you look at the old Godzillas or Ultramans or any of the other kaiju properties like they're cheesy they're cheesy they're corny they're yes. goofy and i think that honoring them and also bringing them into the modern era. I think it's just difficult. And this movie, I think strikes that balance so well 
where yeah, sure, there's some there's some goofy stuff there, but um it, th- there's also enough like modern touches that make a lot of the scenes just uh so entertaining and just so engaging. Yeah. Like I was just I was hooked right from the beginning. Like yeah. Oh yeah, cuz that the opening sequence of this is just them kind of like catching you up to speed of all the kaijus that have happened and it's just rapid fire, you know, it's oh, like yeah. introduced yeah. to a new kaiju. Here's what they named it. And it was defeated. This is what it did. You know, it fed on radiation or whatever. And it was defeated. You know, it's just like a, just rapid fire just going through and it gets you so jazzed up. Cause you're like, for me, and I'm sure it was Shin Godzilla. So this is kind of like a, it kind of gets you amped up, like getting you, getting you hyped up to get back into that, type of a movie and it's mm-hmm. just it works it worked wonders because yeah a- after that introduction i was just i'm like hell yeah i'm pretty sure i'm not going to be disappointed yeah they do they do such a good job of getting you up to speed and the, yeah the, it, i mean it hits the ground running like it starts off fast and furious with all these kaiju and introducing you to the to the um the SSSR, I think they're called, where they're they're like the task force that's was formed specifically to engage with these kaiju and take care of them and and study them. And that's like Shin Godzilla. There's a lot of that happening in this movie too, where it's like sort of the political thriller aspect, and all that was those were some of my favorite parts of Shin Godzilla and they do bring that back here. It's not as prominent in this one, but they still give you that same kind of political intrigue that, that was present in Shin Godzilla. And with that, you get the absolutely insane cinematography in this, which is absolutely a highlight like the cinematography in this is just it's wild man and i love every second of it the the angles the framing the i mean like weird like experimental shots and stuff that they do like that don't even need to happen like there's this one really great scene where it's like uh i don't think it is a split diopter shot but it looks like one almost where the camera is like positioned on uh someone's leg and the the leg takes up almost the the entire frame and then you just have this little sliver where you can see another character who's sitting next to them and they're the one talking and it's just like small scenes like that that are just um i don't know they're just exciting to see it's so it's sort of like the I remember there was a scene in Shin Godzilla where I think the camera was like mounted on a chair or <laughs> yeah. something, and and like that scene turned out to be like one of my favorites. There's a scene in this movie too where they mount the camera on a remote, so yes. they're like uh, flipping through like a TV remote, and the camera is like mounted on the on the remote. It's just a lot of really cool stylish touches in this. It's silly. It becomes its own like kind of in movie game of like, where's the camera going to show up next? Is it going to be inside a bag of chips? Mm-hmm. Yes. It might. Yeah. 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 They did. They did put the camera in a bag of chips at one point. 
It's Why awesome not? though. It looks yeah, it's usually it usually if that is that's something they that could very simply like if this was in another movie, it would just be like, okay, this is kind of overkill. This is a bit ridiculous. But for some reason in these two movies, it's just like I'm hooting and hollering when it shows up inside a bag of chips or it's mounted on a remote control. Normally I'm kind of like, this is unnecessary. This is a bit ridiculous. There's no need to do this. I but, think it's I think it's because when it does like during the kaiju fights, it's pretty normal as far as like cinematography goes. They the way that they shoot the kaiju fights is much like the old kaiju movies of the 60s. But when they start to get really creative is it's like the the other scenes, like the, the office most mundane. scenes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like, you know, during those scenes, those a lot of times those scenes are like pretty high stress, you know, tension filled scenes where like there's a there's a kaiju attacking or in the case of this movie, sometimes it's like an extraterrestrial or whatever. And they they're like scrambling to figure out how they can defeat this thing, how they can stop it, all of that. And so, you know, those those scenes are a bit more tense. And just when they add those crazy framing and camera angles to it it just it just adds this really great layer on top of it and and i've i completely fucking love it i think it's just so good yeah i think it just heightens the fun aspect of it yeah just and that's the other thing so fun yeah that's the thing is like sure there's there are serious moments in this movie but they never lose sight of fun like there's there's jokes there's banter there's like the team, the team has this really great relationship with each other where they're like able to kind of poke fun at each other and stuff. And so everything is, is kept pretty light. It's not like, um, you know, one of the American Godzilla movies or something where it's just so goddamn serious and dire. Well, I think that's a, that's the other aspect of this that I think really makes these films special because not only are they fun and you know do they do a good job of kind of capturing that old kind of hokiness but also updating it but like the writing is so good because you know like with american movies when they tackle godzilla or something they have the godzilla stuff which you can tell they put all their resources into capturing but everything in between that is just so god awful. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. you're just sitting. There, your audiences are just sitting there, being like, "Okay, please, like I just got to put up with this until we get to more Godzilla." Here, they do a great job. The writing is fantastic. the The whole premise of having a a government department that it's their sole job of trying to determine what the kaiju is, how the kaiju works, how to defeat the kaiju where they're learning in real time as you're watching. So essentially everything that they're doing is information dumps, but they don't feel that way. Yeah. I I think it, I think that it's the way that these movies are laid out, contrasting them with the American ones, all the American kaiju movies end up feeling like Roland Emmerich style disaster movies. Uh, especially the the one that Roland Emmerich directed, but like e- even the, the newer Godzilla movies, they still kind of have that 
disaster movie vibe to them where you have an ensemble cast and then in between the the Godzilla or monster fights or whatever you have this these character arc moments where it's like you know uh, a child it's trying to to rekindle their relationship with their father or their mother or whatever and then you it's like it, it and they all they also like in between that you have the science aspect of it where they have to explain everything about what, what they're seeing. Whereas in this movie, it's more, it's more about the politics of it. It's more about the procedure and yeah. they, they don't feel the need to explain everything because it's just not necessary. Like when there's a giant monster attacking the earth, you don't need to figure out where it came from. You need to figure out how to stop it. And then, you know, later you could probably look into where it came from. But, but I also like that. It seems like after a while they gave up on why are we getting them? <laughs> which, <laughs> yeah. which is that they kind of allude to, but I do like that they, that you're learning the stuff about the country, like the one where it's like, you know, he's invisible and then it gets to the, essentially the power grid and they're getting, you know, they're talking you through it. Because they're, they're kind of learning it as they go, and they're like, oh, well, maybe if we shut down the power. And then, of course, the Kaiju gets pissed off and completely destroys everything. Mm-hmm. And they're so bummed out because they're like, damn, okay. So, so I just love trial that, and error. Yeah, that it's, you know, it's not super serious. It's like, it's, it's, yet there's still, it's still information dumps, but it doesn't feel that way at all like you know like you were saying american films where it's like they have to explain the science like the the science here is like pretty simple and it's happening organically it's not just like a scientist walks into the room and explains to everyone and us the audience as well no it's happening while they're doing their job it's done so much better than all of those american ones i mean it's night and day really the other thing that I loved uh, is the music in this by uh, Shiro Sugisu. The The score was awesome. I loved pretty much every musical number in this. It was this really, for the most part, it felt old, very old school. Like it, mm-hmm. like a lot of it felt like it was maybe even like a re, like reused like original stuff. Uh, from you know, from back in the in the sixties, because it, it it felt so authentic. But then, like towards the end, during some of the big fight scenes and some of the big battles, they he he like kind of switched it up and made it like this uh, more kind of metal sound. And I loved it. I love the score. I thought it was really, really awesome. Um, and it's it, again, I've I I always say this when I talk about the score in, uh, in film is that a lot of times it's not something I notice. Um, yeah. but I typically do notice it if it's really good or really bad. And the, the score in this is just so good. Like I, I would gladly listen to the, this like outside of the movie. Yeah. I think another thing that I'm not a hundred percent sure because again, I don't know a ton of Ultraman. I don't know the story of Ultraman and everything, but this feel that you know this movie's pretty much two hours long, right? And it feels like 
they got the entire story of Ultraman into one movie. Yeah, uh, I got that. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure they they did. I, I yeah, it def, it's definitely an origin story because it, it's it's like everything because it, it, it you can you can break it down. You can look at this movie and break it into pieces and be like, okay, I could see where someone if if they hate audiences, they could turn this this story that you're seeing here in two hours to break it into three separate films. Yeah, yeah, because there's the kaiju portion, and that's just one portion. We didn't even talk about the extraterrestrial stuff. Like, the, the kaiju stuff is just the beginning of the movie. Then you have this, like, this alien that, that comes down and gives them problems. And then there's another alien after that. Yeah. And it's, and we do like three movies. Just it, it is. It, it is like three movies. Uh, it's kind of wild. Like that that they they pack so much into this. And I think that, like, I don't know. I don't know if that's to the detriment of it because I mean, it. I feel like the. It's a little bit front loaded in in that I at least for me the kaiju stuff was the most exciting stuff and then it like got a little bit less exciting with the, 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 the other two enemies that he goes up against, especially the, the final one. I'm just like, eh, I don't know. But, um, yeah. So if I had to criticize it, I would say, I do think yeah. it's a little bit front loaded. Yeah. But even then, because I would agree, yeah, it's a little bit front-loaded. But at the same time, I'm like, man, it's pretty damn impressive that they were able to pack this much in to a two-hour film. And, and, and but it, that's the it thing. Didn't, it didn't once feel like it was dragging forever. It, exactly. Like, they, yes, they do pack a lot in, but it's not messy. It's very, it's very well organized, and it's very well paced, too. Like, they, they keep things running at a really nice clip. and. There's a lot of shit that happens in this movie. I mean, this is an epic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. An epic movie. I, my only concern would be, like, if this is the start of a new franchise, uh, I would hope that they keep uh, Higuchi and Anno at the helm, because I feel like that this is something that could easily go off the rails and become just, like, the same old, same old stuff. Yeah. I think that it's the two of them that really make this these these movies something special. And um, oh, definitely, because the, the like you were saying beforehand, where you were like, "Oh, okay, I could be disappointed in this." It, you quickly, quickly, very quickly becomes evident that this is going to be the exact same type of film as Shin Godzilla, mm-hmm. just with with you know. Ultraman instead of Godzilla. It's the exact same feel, the exact same flavor. Like yep. it's just it's exactly the same really. And I love it for that. And I will say like talking about the technical, the visual aspects of it, it it it's definitely on a level above most of like the big type of like uh effects laden blockbuster movies you get out of Japan. Now it's not going to be on the same level as something that we see here in the states, but I still love 
the visuals because like the rest of the movie, the visuals in this, the effects are a really great blend of new and old. You have CG in here, but a lot of it is you can't even tell. You can't tell if it's CG or a man in a costume. Mm -hmm. The way that they design the CG, like they make it look like it's a person in a costume, even if it isn't. And if, if that makes sense. And then also they, they add there, there's this like kind of haze over everything. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it looks kind of washed out or like a, like a grain over everything. And that kind of gives it more of a classic aesthetic. Yeah. And and there's two other aspects to this that I think are better than what you normally see in American films. One, you get a good idea of scale. Oh, yeah. The camera's pulled back. You can see what's happening. And much of it takes place during the daytime. During the day. It's actual light. You can see things. It's insane. And and also, there's a scene that takes place in space, and you can see everything that's happening there, too. Get out of town. Yeah. You can see things in this movie. It's wild. Who would have thought? Novel idea. By the way, not giving anything away, but the black hole scene is incredible like yeah. just how they sh- how they shot that the visuals of that and then going with that there's also these kind of really stylish scenes when ultraman's fighting and he's like flying and they go with that red background oh my mm-hmm. god it it i mean it was just perfect i loved it yeah they're actually fighting places you know they're fighting in cities uh by like a, a they're also fighting by like a nuclear waste facility. They're fighting, you know, an actual like determinate locations. Yeah, they're not fighting in the ocean, in or the middle of the ocean at midnight where you can't you can't see a goddamn thing. An airport. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. There's you. You can see everything in this, and it's it's great. And yeah, there's a lot of destruction as far as like buildings and such. Like there's there's a there's one scene where something happens that I I didn't expect at all, and it, it's like in the middle of a city, and you're just like, what? it comes out of nowhere too, and you're just like, wait a minute, what is going on here? It's an it, like another another giant person walking yes. through the city. <laughs> you're just like, what? What? <laughs> I'm kind of hoping that that if they do make a sequel, that that is that's the sequel. Is that it? Just kind of gets out of hand. And that there's a lot of giant people. We just made yeah. too many giant people. And it, it looks really good. Like the effects were the like compositing, however they did it, looks really good. Again, I will I will com- I will compare it to what to do with the dead kaiju because I saw that very recently, and that's like a new movie. It's not even out yet, I don't think, in, in the States. And that movie looked like absolute garbage wow. in comparison. Like it looked I'm sure that the budgets are quite different, but just Man, it was it was night and day, night and day. So basically, I loved this movie and I highly recommend it, even if you're not into Ultraman. Like, I don't I don't know anything about Ultraman. I'm not even planning on going. I'm not I'm not even going to go watch any of the old, old Ultraman stuff. I don't care. But this this is if they make a sequel, I will see it immediately. Yes. One hundred percent. I'm exactly the same as you, because even while I was watching, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll check out more Ultraman. I'm not going to. I yeah, I mean, it's just I I don't know. another one. All right, let's go ahead and give it a score. 
Man, I am high on this one. I'm like, I think Shin Godzilla was at a nine. And I think for this one, I'm like eight and a half. But oh, man, I don't even know. It was so good. I might, I might even, like Shin Godzilla might be like a nine and a half. And this would be a nine. Yeah, I gotcha. I'm thinking I'm sitting at like an eight and a half as well. I think I have Shin Godzilla at a 10. Mostly just because, like, I think once a week, I think about the the level up purple beam. Oh, my God. Like, I think about that a I, lot. I, I think about that transformation a lot, too, yeah. which is interesting because it was it was absolutely insane. It's everything you want in a modern Godzilla movie. And we finally got it. Unfortunately, I don't know when we'll get it again, because I think legendary still has the the rights it's okay we got it once we yeah can go back to it anytime we want it's great all right so that is shin ultraman i don't know if that's playing because there is like a fantastic fest at home festival that's gonna be kicking off right after the in-person one okay and i don't know if that if this is part of that but if it is it is well worth whatever the cost is of a virtual ticket. So without a doubt, absolutely check it out. This came out in May, by the way, in, in Japan from the looks of it. All right, let's move on and talk about some of what we've been watching. I, uh, started, I started with, uh, since we're talking about fantastic fest, I'll, I'll kick things off with, um, some, some of the stuff that I saw there so far just started, just started. So very early, uh, I saw A Life on the Farm. This is directed by Oscar Harding. This is a documentary about this uh, this tape that was found in the director's grandfather's stuff. So after his grandfather passed away, they went through his stuff, found this tape. And on the tape, it was a like a feature-length home movie of... This this guy who was he was a farmer and it was it was this the his grandfather's neighbor who owned this farm and he made this like documentary called A Life on the Farm and it was just, just like him setting up a tripod and shooting stuff. And it, it was um it was a very strange thing that this guy made and and it turned out that he would like make them for all the people around town and stuff and he would like make different cuts of of it depending on who he gave a copy to and this movie is just about like who this guy was this like what he was into a little bit into his backstory and like sort of the the legend behind this this very strange movie that he made and uh it's it's really good um the i i feel like there are some pieces missing and i don't know if this is just like unknown information but like when they get into the guy's life and stuff they mentioned that they thought that he had some kids but like the kids are nowhere in, they're not involved in this movie at all and i and i feel like maybe i don't i don't know maybe didn't have kids but i feel like maybe they could have been a little bit more clear with that but other than that it's very well put together um the the editing is great um it's it's not 
it's not your typical talking head documentary. It it's I would think a step it's definitely a step up from that. But it's also just a fascinating kind of slice of life story and uh I would definitely recommend it. Especially if you're into like the kind of weird found footage type stuff. Yeah. Like real real found footage. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's very it's sad, but it's also very macabre too. Like some of the stuff that this dude made it, it, that's in this movie is pretty dark and not what you would expect. I have to check that out, I think. Yeah, it's definitely worth a look. Uh, I progressed in Nightmare on Elm Street and watched part two, Freddy's Revenge. Ooh. Shoulder. The gay that's one. Deep, the gay one. I was kind of, because <laughs> you mentioned that, right? And I was kind of expecting going into this to, you know, to be like super gay and to be thinking like, wow, it's kind of surprising that no one really saw that when this came out. But it's pretty, it's not as gay as I thought it was going to be. But it is kind of wild, though, because I'll say this. This is what I love about this one is, you know, they took the original Freddy story. I was a little bit worried at the outset of this because the... The, the kid, Jesse, he moves into the old house, right? And that's kind of how it's set up and everything. And I was kind of worried where I'm like, okay, they're just going to do the first movie again with new people. And they're not going to really change anything because it's the same house. It's just going to be Freddy scaring a new group of teenagers. And that's it. But what I loved about this is that they, they progressed it a little bit in that Freddy uses Jesse to come into the real world. Which is phenomenal because... They start breaking down the whole the dream world and reality. They blur that line. They completely get rid of it. And then dream logic comes into reality, which is fantastic. And they do a great job of it. But it's messed up that like one of the first things that they do is, you know, they mentioned the, the gym teacher of going to like S&M bars or whatever. And you kind of think, think that Jesse goes to the S&M bar. You're like, oh, this is kind of like a dream or something. But then afterwards, you're like, no, he went, that, that high school kid went to the gay bar. And that teacher was there. And, like, took him back to the school. Which is just fucked up. It's really fucked up. <laughs> yeah. But I gotta say, while I didn't love it as much as the first one, because it's some of the visuals in the first one, you just can't top. Like, we talked about the first kill, you know, being dragged around the ceiling and stuff and all the blood. Uh, the Johnny Depp kill with the you know the bed vomits all that yeah blood. yeah like, I mean they're I'm sorry it's you 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 can't yeah you can't but this one does come pretty close they do some great stuff in it like the that entire the pool party is just is nuts yeah I, I I stand by what I said a couple weeks ago when I when I said that I think that the Elm Street franchise is the most interesting out of all of the slasher movies because they try, they try different things in every one of the sequels. Uh, I would also recommend checking out Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street from 2019. It's a documentary about about um, Nightmare on Elm Street Two. Okay, and um, it's yeah, it's it's pretty interesting because the. The main guy, Mark Patton, he he is gay, but like 
when he, they were making the movie, like he didn't know, like he wasn't really, he didn't really know. And it was just, it's really interesting. Um, continuing my fantastic fest 2022 journey. I saw deep fear. This is directed by Gregory Begin. Um, this is a French horror movie that takes place in the Paris catacombs. You know, we've seen this before, uh, but it was a setting that, that I think is fascinating enough that I'll, I'll any movie where I hear that it takes place in the Paris catacombs, I'll check it out. <laughs> the, the different thing about this is that it's actually not really in the Paris catacombs. It's sort of in a different section from what you think of when you think of the catacombs. And what you have here is it takes place in 1991 and it's a group of friends who are celebrating their graduation. One of them is about to head off into the army and for their like kind of last adventure, they meet up with this guy who's going to take them through the catacombs and it's not like a, not like a tour, but like the real, like the hidden parts. Yeah. And when they're down there, they end up crossing paths with a group of skinheads. And after trying to escape the skinheads, they end up in this part of the catacombs that's like they weren't even sure. They kind of get lost. So what happens is there's something else down there. I'll keep it vague, but they have to escape the catacombs all the while avoiding the skinheads and this other thing that's down there. Mm. It starts off interesting enough. I, I liked the way that it started off, but it kind of lost me about halfway through. Um, once you figure out where it's going and what the kind of big reveals are, it's just, it gets less interesting to me. The, when you find out like what it is that's, that's going after them, it's just not, it's just not that great. At the end of the day, it's pretty average. Like it's not horrible. It's well acted. The characters were decent. The effects work and the locations and stuff were decent. The lighting was quite good. Some of the cinematography is actually very good. Um, when they're like in the, like they're, they're kind of in the tunnels before the catacombs and there's like all this like graffiti and stuff and it, it looks really cool, but, uh, yeah, didn't really stick with me. This one again, it's deep fear. feels like a shutter movie for sure. It, it sounds like one. <laughs> yeah. I would be surprised if this did not become a <laughs> shutter movie. Uh, I watched one that's not on shutter. Which is kind of surprising. That's a house on Haunted Hill. Remember that from 1999? Oh, you better believe yeah. I remember that. I love that movie. I unabashedly love that movie. Yeah. Uh, Chris Kattan. Chris Kattan, Jeffrey Rush, Ellie Larder. Tay Diggs. Kanka Jensen. Oh. Yeah, Peter Gallagher. You, you know, that's a 90s cast. That is an Oh, my God. It... it, it. When you think of 90s horror movies, like this has to be one of the main ones that pops into your head. Yeah. It has to be. It's the, the thing is, I forgot all about it. 
until I was looking for a movie and I was looking through 90s horror movies and this popped up and I was like, oh shit, I forgot all about this movie. So for those that don't know, it's a remake of the, the William Castle House on Haunted Hill from 1959 with Vincent Price. Jeffrey Rush plays the, the Vincent Price character and, you know, great casting because it's, it's perfect. You, you, there's no one better else to play Vincent Price. Mm-hmm. And just the idea of uh, this millionaire, if he's supposed to be throwing a birthday party for his wife, who he doesn't like at all, but he decides to, like, oh, fuck it, I'm going to do my own thing just to entertain myself, and I'm going to just, strangers, they're going to come, I'm going to offer a million dollars if they can spend the night in this horrible, like, it's not really a haunted house, it's a haunted, like, hospital, mental asylum type deal. Just the biggest hospital you've ever seen in your life. Just built in the worst location. But very striking building. And it turns out, you know, the house is indeed haunted and it's pretty much alive and it's going to ruin your life. And it's just ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's super brutal in places, which I don't quite remember it being. I was kind of taken aback. Oh, yeah, it's bloody. Yeah, this is, uh, I was kind of shocked. I thought this was going to be dumber. Like, I remember it being dumber than, like, as I was watching it. Like, it's still kind of, still kind of silly in parts just because of the whole premise, but it's much better than I remember it being. I respected it a lot more this time around. Like, this is, it's a pretty damn good movie. Yeah, I think it's, uh, this is, it's stupid, but in a really fun way, I think. But yeah, I mean, it's him. Like, he has this guy that does, like, his scares from... Because I love, like, the opening of, like, his amusement park, the elevator the ride. elevator? Oh, yeah. I love it. Fucking genius. It's awesome. Yeah. You know, and you think, like, okay, they're manipulating a lot of this stuff. And then you're trying to figure out, like, okay, did he manipulate it? Did he not? And then, you know, it becomes quite clear that... None of it is. Yeah. He did not. <laughs> He's not doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, awesome movie. Highly recommend House on Haunted Hill if you haven't seen that yet. The quintessential 90s horror movie, I think. It is. It's definitely up there. It's, I mean, it's got Ali Larder, which. Yep. Is, Famke, she, and Famke Jensen. Like, just. Yeah. What is she doing now? Ali Larder? Yeah. Uh, she, I've seen her in, I see her in stuff like advertised, um, like I'll get emails about stuff. She, she does small stuff. Um, the only other fantastic festival that I saw, uh, so far was bad city. This is a, this is a Japanese action movie directed by, uh, Kensuke Sunomura. This, uh, it's sort of a throwback. This one to kind of like the 90s Japanese action movies where it was just, you know, pretty, pretty convoluted stories that are punctuated with bouts of uh, ultraviolence. And that's kind of what this is. Uh, Hitoshi Ozawa stars in it as a, a cop who was accused of murder. And they, uh, a special task force is formed to um, bring down this like 
big conglomerate. Uh, and they, so they, they bring him out to, to lead up this, this task force. And then they pull everybody like the, the best people from the violent crimes division. And they have to figure out like, basically they, they know that this like guy running for mayor is corrupt and they just need the evidence. So it, um, they end up uncovering this like big conspiracy that involves like the Korean mafia and then the Yakuza, and then this giant, um, this giant corporation, as I mentioned, and it, it is, it's just, it's a little messy. The action is meh. Um, it, it doesn't really hold up to what we, what the today's standards of action are. However, uh, Tak Sakaguchi is in this. He plays like one of the main bad guys. And he's awesome in it. So if you're a fan of uh, Tox movies and his action stuff that he does, then you'll, you'll, you'll like this because he's in like maybe four fight scenes, even though he's a bad guy, he's in it quite a bit. And um, yeah, you see him fight like maybe four, four times and he's awesome. He's dodging bullets in this. And Dude's like 47 years old, but he still fights like he's 20. Guy's nuts. He doesn't have any lines, though. He doesn't talk. There you go. Keep it simple. Yeah. That's really all I can say about Bad City. I just, I really just wasn't impressed. At the end of the day, it's very forgettable. Very forgettable. Well, that's all I have. All right. Uh, the only other one that I will mention is Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. This um, came out on VOD. It's been playing theaters for a while, but it came out on VOD this week. It's directed by Helena uh, Rain, and it uh, it's a slasher. Well, sort of a slasher movie. It's a it's a horror comedy, and it's about a group of twenty something rich twenty somethings who are having a hurricane party in this like the 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 manch this big mansion and it's it's actually Pete Davidson's dad's mansion and one of them ends up dying they play this game called bodies 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 that like it's basically like werewolf like one night ultimate werewolf if you if you've heard of that where it's like a party game where someone is the killer and then uh they turn the lights off, the killer murders someone, and then they have to figure out like who it's, a, it's like a murder mystery thing. But while they're playing this game, someone actually does die and it causes these giant rifts to form between them. And they start, they start like, uh, questioning each other's loyalties and, and accusing each other and like secrets come out and, the, you know, the body count starts to, to increase. And the thing is like, they're all horrible people and you don't really care that any of them get killed. And they're very intentionally horrible. It's yeah. that they, they don't, there's no, like, <laughs> there's nothing saving these people. However, um, I, I will say that the, uh, the, the, the main character in this is, is played by, uh, Maria uh, Bakalova, who you most people will know from Borat too. And she is great in this movie. Like I believe she was nominated for a golden globe for her 
uh, performance in Borat too, but she, like, she, I hope that she blows up because she is such a good actor. And um, so she's really good in this. Lee Pace is in here. He's whatever. He doesn't have much to do with his in his character. Same with Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson is like a real douche in this. Ah, uh, get out of here. <laughs> Pete Davidson playing a douche? What? No. Yeah, um, so it's it's fine. Like it it was pretty good. It it goes to places you don't expect. That's for sure. Interesting. Yeah. So it's available on, on VOD Bodies Bodies Bodies. I'd give it a light recommend. Alright. Let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. We got Bros coming out. It's the uh the rom com. We have a review for this up on the site right now, actually. Oh yeah? Yeah, Chris saw it at TIFF. Uh, and then we have Smile. This is the horror movie. I'm slightly interested in Smile. I don't know that I'm interested enough to go see it in the theater, though. On VOD this week. Let's see. Starting with the 27th, we have We Found Something. That's a horror movie. Looks like a creature. Creature feature, maybe? Hell yeah. Looks like some kind of weird... Weird, uh, like a werewolf type creature. Ah, uh, never mind. Uh, we have Nyx. That's also on the 27th. That's a horror movie as well. That's directed by the, I think, the person who did uh, Sharknado. Oh, boy. But I think, I mean, by the looks of it, I didn't see the trailer or anything, but I just saw, like, the poster and stuff. It looks like it's this one's kind of serious. On the 28th, we have Blonde. That's going to be on Netflix. That's the Marilyn Monroe one. NC-17. Great. Great. Yeah, that's uh, it's kind of rare that uh, a movie gets rated NC-17 these days. I mean, I guess it was always kind of rare. Yeah. It just seems sillier now with streaming services. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like... Yeah, okay. Most most movies just don't even bother getting rated. I think maybe just because this is a high profile release. Yeah. And I think it's probably playing in theaters as well. Uh on the 30th we have Vesper, that is a sci-fi like post-apocalypse type movie. This actually looks pretty interesting. I'm in, I'm interested in this one. Yeah. I did not know anything about this. Yeah, I just recently saw like a little teaser for it or something and, and it looks it looks kinda hmm. looks kinda like it might be up my alley. I'm not sure. We have Devil's Workshop. We have Inhospitable. I think that's a documentary about hospitals. Oh, I gotcha. Yep. We have Mona Lisa and the Blood Moon. This is another one that I'm actually interested in. This is uh the new one from uh, Anna Lily Amapur. Oh, for real? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? Kate Hudson. What? Yeah. It um yeah, looks looks pretty cool. Interesting. Yeah, I'll be checking it out. Uh, let's see what else we have here. The Justice of Bunny King. The Wild Man. After she died. We got God's Creatures. And oh, we yeah. also have my what's that? I said, nice, God's Creatures coming out. Mm. Oh, yeah. A24. Um, let's see what else. Uh, 
My Best Friend's Exorcism. It's going to be on Amazon Prime. So, a lot. A lot to choose from. Yeah, a whole slate of films coming out. I know. There's a, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of good stuff. All right, on Blu-ray this week, um, my, my normal site, my, my normal Blu-ray.com site is not working right now. So, I, I have to go with High Def Digest's calendar. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't trust them as much, but we'll see. Shout out High Def Digest. <laughs> yeah, let's see. We got Blood of the Chupacabra. That's a double feature. We got After Blue, Dirty Paradise. Bulletproof. That's the Vinnie Jones one that dropped like just a couple weeks ago on VOD. Buried Alive from 1989. Uh, code E, we got North, uh, Dead North, Hearts Beat Loud, Mind Melters 3. Yeah, Mind <laughs> Melters 3. What? <laughs> yeah, um, look at that. Uh, it, uh, e. nothing, not getting any matches. It says, uh, see topless Tiki Island women in terror. Monster music videos and watch Mark and Clark take on a maniac in a blue ox suit. What? This is just the tip of the cannibal spear of mayhem being jabbed in your brain in Mind Melters 3. Huh. That sounds so like a mess. It, it might be a... Maybe it's an anthology or something. I don't know. I don't either. Those are really the, the only big ones that I see here on this list. What about criterions? Oh, we got two criterions. First one we got is Sound of Metal from 2019, if you remember Sound of Metal. I do remember it. I never saw it. I did. It's okay. I mean, it's it's a weird... I, I feel like it's a weird one to include in Criterion, but... Yes, very much so. I guess they just get some money. Get that money. Uh, and then the other one is a box set, which is Martin Scorsese's World Cinema Project number four. So the fourth one in the box set collection of Martin Scorsese World Cinema. You get, I think it's, yes, yeah, six films. Six films in that box set for $100. $100. It's pretty good. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, I'll be definitely looking at that lineup. I think it's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That would be great. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.